You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Hey, Greg, got a pitch for you. Shoot. So Zack Snyder just released his cut of Justice League, and we should definitely do it for the podcast. I mean, that sounds great. I mean, it's everybody's talking about it. Yeah, it's a good pick. It is four hours long. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the podcast where we watch mediocre movies and discuss our ideas on how to fix them. Then, sometimes, those movies get recut and changed, and we have notes for those, too. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today, we are discussing Zack Schneider's The Justice League. This is so the, uh, and that, that is, uh, you know, with Suicide Squad on the way out, I guess that is uh, something to go. We are discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, released this year. Uh, and uh, we are joined by two uh, fantastic guests uh podcasters in their own right former guests on the show and proprietors of one of the finest uh comic shops in all the land uh please welcome brandon schatz and danica leblanc hi hey hello welcome back thank you we're happy to be back very excited uh i was also the guest on the first (laughs) justice league episode I was just going to ask Brandon, how does it feel to be back to talk about Justice League again? It feels like this nightmare will ever never end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only the only ingredient we're missing is Colin uh, from that, that original true, yeah. Justice League episode, and I'm I'm real curious what his take on the Snyder Cut would have been actually. So we should probably. How, how did you feel about the first about one in general? I don't know. I think Colin gets a kick out of uh, out of all. Uh, uh, DC movies, even when they're not very good. Um, he, I think he famously watched the extended version of the Batman v Superman uh, movie, which is just an extant amount of torture. I don't know why you would do that to yourself. Yeah. Uh, according to like a lot of comic-y people, it is a lot better. Uh, having uh, experienced both, uh, once in the theater and once uh, because Danica needed to see it and we got drunk. Uh, it's no different. It's just longer. It's longer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to see it. I needed uh, an accompanying accompanying thing to live tweet while I drank my wine. And so I chose that. <laughs> and it made that movie so much better because I could bitch about it on Twitter. Fantastic. Uh, well, we also had a whole lot of feedback on Twitter for this movie as well. So uh, it seems like the internet is a buzz uh, with these mm-hmm. flicks. Uh, love them or hate them. Turns out people have opinions about DC movies. Who knew? Mm. That's super weird. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure, Scott, that you said that exact same thing on the previous episode. (laughs) (laughs) As a a comic shop proprietor, I I, am shocked. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, uh, this movie is directed by uh, the titular Zack Snyder uh, of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, Stars uh, Henry Cavill as Superman. uh, Ben Affleck as Batfleck. We got Gal Gadot. Uh, as Wonder Woman, uh, Ray Fisher as Cyborg, uh, Ezra Miller as The Flash, and Jason Momoa as uh, Jason Momoa uh, as Aquaman, <laughs> uh, hunky as ever. 
Uh, and just, I, I thought this was a joke because we had some other joke names in our note. The guy who plays Steppenwolf is named Steven Wolf, which is hilarious. Nope, wrong. Nice. That is a joke. That's, oh, God damn that's it. A call, <laughs> that's a callback to our, to our previous episode. I cut it out, and then someone went and typed it back in, so I was like, oh, it must be a real thing. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, well, yes, got me. I have not actually... Uh, um, I didn't see this movie the first time around. Uh, I, this was my okay. first uh, time with the Justice League, uh, and I liked uh, most of it. I liked uh, at three hours and 45 minutes of it, and kind of not the last 15. So I'm here to uh, hear uh, not just what you think about this recut, but the redux of our own previous episode. So I, I will uh, actually, I will go so far as to say that that actually gives you uh, a pretty good perspective coming into this, because we mm-hmm. all did watch the original one, and we're kind of comparing this one to that one. So having someone have come in like fresh-eyed, just watching uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is actually a, a good perspective to have. Someone who's not tainted by the original version. And Oh, and I can yeah, see sure. how you would be. Like, I, I, there is no director you could have re have recut, like, episode nine. Like, you could give me the Taika Waititi episode nine, and I would not, I would not <laughs> pay me a million dollars to watch that movie. Uh, so if I had already watched a worse version of this movie, I feel like I would come into it with a lot of animosity. Uh, and a chip on my shoulder, you know? So, oh, for yeah, sure. I, yeah. I I almost feel like uh, I had enough time between seeing seeing Justice League the first time and now that, um, in a way, it almost felt fresh. Um, but I think m- much of my misgivings about the movie had sort of dissolved away. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know about how you guys feel, but, like, I really didn't remember much from the original just i mean it wasn't it just wasn't a very good movie and it was very forgettable and um aside from like the the really loud parts of it i didn't really i couldn't really remember what the plot was anyway so it didn't really matter and like in fact like until until i started listening to um some other uh youtube personalities who were uh, talking about the the film this this past week uh that was the only time that i was actually reminded about what Joss Whedon's version was actually like. So I'm cursed with a mind like a steel trap for <laughs> garbage nonsense like this. <laughs> and so I did remember a lot of what happened in the original Justice League and the stuff that I had forgotten came back to me as I was watching the new version. Even stuff that had been omitted or uh, that like was was glossed over in the Snyder version, I was like, oh, no, I see where this part is missing that I remember from the original version, and it's come back to me now, and it was bad, and I'm glad it's not there. So <laughs> there was there were a lot of instances of that, unfortunately, for me, at the very least. No, I feel the same. Uh, I definitely remembered, uh, especially how the Amazons were treated, and there were a lot of scenes in the original that I just felt very squeamish about, and they were not there. Um, same costumes, unfortunately, but you can't change everything. Um, so, I mean, you know, we can start by saying the Amazons were much, much better represented. And I remember the Russian family. Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, please stop killing the puppies. Basically. They were like, see these puppies, we're going to murder them. See this nice family. We're going to murder them. That's a weird classic and it's trash. And in the Snyder version, there are literally puppies, and they are not murdered, nor is any threat of murder brought upon them. At the any only point. kind of dogs that were murdered in this were hot dogs. 
Yep. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. No, yeah, like we actually got a good dog scene and no puppies were murdered and there was no threat and it was very sweet. Like you don't need to threaten threaten sweet little innocent puppies or sweet little innocent Russian families. You don't. It's yeah, cheap. I mean when when the stakes are already we're going to end the world, you don't need to mm-hmm. like you don't need to focus on like one cute little family and be like, "Oh, they're going to die." No, we we know that. Everyone's going to die. Like <laughs> yeah. You don't need to show us faces to know that the world is going to end, guys. Come on. And this version of it, I think like in in that one they needed the family because there was literally no stakes Mm-mm. in the Whedon version mm-hmm. because they Yeah. They removed so much of it that ratcheted up the tension. Uh, whereas uh, in this one, you get to the, the climax and you're like, oh, no, that's this is not good. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I will go so far as to say uh, that they lose until Flash rewinds everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. So, you know, it's a very yeah. comics answer to simply rewind time. And I, I love that. Actually, I know we're going to go in it, into it later, but that was one of my absolute favorite moments uh was the change of the climax oh yeah for sure uh the Mm. the climax of the film works in this version quite well yes (laughs) well why don't we uh uh, quickly go through some of the notes you had for it the first time around like what were some of the big the big observations and takeaways uh from the first one not just collins but all Mm y'alls uh well, I, I think the the thing <laughs> I remember the one thing that, that really bothered me about the first film was the way in which the mother boxes are introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh which was uh, there's an uh, there's a very early scene in which Batman is in Gotham and he's fighting one of those um the, like one of those guys from Venture Brothers or whatever and then he punches him into a wall and then the guy disintegrates and leaves behind a clue of three boxes. And it's just the worst call to adventure of all time. <laughs> yeah. That sounds rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and like the, the movie is like, it's very, it's comparatively very short and, and it feels like as Scott uh, pointed out that it was too short. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I here's the thing. Uh, this is a case of be careful what you wish for, <laughs> because I did I did complain that the uh, Whedon League, that Joss, Justice League, was uh, was I too short. That. I heard that the first time last nice. week, and I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I do. I do. Uh, having gone through the the previous episode, I, I do like your what you did. One of the other things you wished for, Scott, which was Brainiac. Yeah, uh-huh. I like Brainiac. Yeah, I do remember. I that. forgot about that. There's yeah. no Brainiac well, in this. Because I thought uh, Steppenwolf is such a such a no one villain without Darkseid there, because he's one of Darkseid's lieutenants, and in in the Justice League version, he's he's just front and center. It's just Steppenwolf, and it's like who the hell is that? Who cares? And moreover, we were trying to with with such a short movie that seemed like it was introducing something much bigger. It was like why not bring in a different. Superman villain who's still like an A-list villain who's still a cosmic threat and use that to introduce the mother boxes and build ourselves up to dark side. I still think Brainiac's a great villain who should appear on the big screen. However, um, in this case, 
they brought in Steppenwolf, but they brought Darkseid along with him. And so he works <laughs> in this version because he's not just who the hell is this guy by himself. He's got the context of the wider apocalypse pantheon with him, right? He's, he's the middle management. Exactly. But it works because you see his boss and you see his boss being disappointed in him. So like, which gives him motivation as well to be there other than just I'm evil and I'm here for some boxes. Yeah, exactly. You can't have a superhero movie without daddy issues. Exactly. No, no, you can't have a jo- or you can't have a Zack Snyder superhero movie without Daddy. <laughs> no, we all love Daddy Darkseid. <laughs> Brandon, just to remind you that like you you want you played off of Scott's fixes and suggested that uh, um, you wanted Brainiac to shrink some cities and oh, to yeah, uh, kidnap thousands <laughs> of people, and that was your that was sort of your big stakes at the at the climax of the film. And I think you also, you also, and you just said you wanted to cut the the Russian family, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which good. I think is probably <laughs> fairly obvious. Oh, good. I'm um, I'm I'm really happy that that is what I said because I had this fear that I, I was just like, oh well, of everything we should keep them, and, uh, and I was just like, oh no, what have I done? Uh, so I'm glad that I didn't say that. <laughs> I uh, I suggested uh, swapping Batman and Wonder Woman's roles. Because mm-hmm. um, it seemed more obvious to me that like Wonder Woman should have been the one that was globetrotting, looking for superheroes, mm. just because mm-hmm. she's kind of like the. Um, the she seems like the more altruistic one, and the one that's yeah. more passionate about saving the world. Whereas, where I mean, at the end of Batman v Superman, Batman kind of feels responsible for the death of Superman, so it seemed like he could be you know, down in the dumps and, and have to be convinced to join the super friends. Right. Yeah. And, um, and it having been part of wonder woman's people's history. Mm-hmm. Like that's an easy touch point to be like, Oh, yeah. I, I know what this is and what it could do. Yeah. Like in the, in the Snyder version, she actually had less to do in finding people than uh, Bruce did because when he sent her out to get cyborg, she was like, hey, I'm Wonder Woman. Want to join us? And he's like, heck no, I'm going through some things. And she was like, okay, bye. Like, there was no <laughs> passionate plea. And that is completely the opposite to her character. Like, she definitely needed more soul. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people would say more heart, but I, I would say she needed more soul in this version. Yeah. Well, especially because Cyborg in this version is kind of the heart of the team. Exactly. Oh, so yeah. much better. Oh my god. Uh, Can we talk here's, about Cyborg? Here's a funny thing. Greg's fixes Greg's fixes in the last episode did include yeah. reducing the role of Cyborg and Flash in the plot. No! I was trying to make room for everyone else. <laughs> there was so much going on in two and a, two hours and change. You need the opposite. It, you need you need the lightness. You need you need it to balance the dark. You don't need more Batman. He's he's big grumpy man. He's gonna be everywhere. You need light jokes funny uh sarcasm um you know the flash being light to something is a hilarious flash joke i will i will Uh, give greg this uh for a two-hour movie you take out the extra heroes for a four-hour movie (laughs) you actually flesh them out yeah yeah okay okay. and it it takes I mean, an gotta hour. give me credit. I, at the time, I did not know that f- a four-hour movie was a fucking possibility. <laughs> it was on the table. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think any of us did. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's go to the trailer for the that uh, four-hour movie. Let it speak for itself. When we come back, we'll get into the into our thoughts on it a little deeper. I spent a lot of time trying to divide us. 
I made a promise to him on his grave. I need to bring us together. There are enemies coming from far away. They serve an old power. This world is divided. No protectors here. No lanterns. No Kryptonium. It will fall in his name. I have turned worlds to dust. All of existence shall be mine. It's time to stand. Fight. The time is now. The infamous tyrant Darkseid arrives on Earth with his production team of planet editors seeking to recut the world to his liking. However, the old gods of planet Earth feel Darkseid's vision for their world is too grim and gritty. They have a lighter, more fun planet Earth in mind. Defeated, Darkseid skulks back to his homeworld of Apocalypse, where he spends many millennia thinking about his original intentions for Earth and how dissatisfied he is at having ever let it slip from his grasp. With the help of his most fanatical followers, Darkseid resolves to return to Earth to restore his vision and finish what he started all those years ago. So I, I wrote on, on Twitter after I finished watching the Zack Snyder cut that the Snyder cut is a better is better. Yes. Um, but is it good? Question mark. And that's <laughs> the question I would like to put to you first is, is this version good? Because I think the fact that it's better kind of goes without saying. I feel like that's fairly universal amongst most people <laughs> that it's a better version of Justice League. But um, is it good? I'm I want to. My answer is going to tie into uh, a little bit of a callback to something Danica said uh, a couple minutes ago, where she was talking about Cyborg and Flash and how they bring a little bit of lightness to the movie. Um, this movie is basically a comedy compared to the other Zack Snyder DC movies, mm -hmm. which are so <laughs> nihilistic and grim. And this one actually has some heart and some levity. Like there are legitimately some parts of this movie that I I could I would have told you were Joss Whedon inserts that they were reshoots for the for the Justice League version that were in this version and I was like oh no that was actually then in like Snyder's original cut like his original script and that shocked me like some of the the lines that Flash says to Batman the first time they meet some of the <laughs> stuff between between Flash and Cyborg if you had told me Zack Snyder wrote those in a script I would have laughed in your face but there they were and that is good. And having the, the time to breathe in this movie and flesh out a lot of the ancillary characters and the villain and the plot <laughs> um, <laughs> makes for a watchable film. This is a pretty good version of the movie. It, do I think it's self-indulgent? Yes. Do I think it's too long? Yes. Um, but it overall, pretty good, I thought. I uh, One of my favorite descriptors of uh, the movie as a whole is it is very watchable trash or unwatchable uh, unwatchable art. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah. 
Well said, whoever said that. I, I'd like to speak to that later, but I want to hear other thoughts first. Danica, uh, is it good? Oh, um, parts of it are good. Parts of it are not good. <laughs> uh, so, oh, no, there's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in another four years, uh, when I make my own cut of Justice League, um, I'm going to trim it at least an hour. So my cut will only be like three hours or less. Yeah, yeah. The because the there was a legit hour where I was just almost on my phone. I was trying really hard to concentrate on it. And I was like, can we just go to bed? Can we just go to bed? Can I die? <laughs> and then it got better. Yeah, the, the, movie, the movie drags a bit in the middle. Um, so like it, much. It, it opens, okay, uh, there are some really great beats throughout, and it ends pretty strong and then continues going for another 20 minutes, uh, yep. undercutting and ruining the ending that it had. Uh, but like, <laughs> it does drag a bit in the middle. Oh, completely. Um, when I finally... Uh, I didn't realize how bored I was with it until I was very, very bored. And then uh, when it got near to the climax and everything kind of came together, I got really excited and really involved in it. And so the last probably 45 minutes of the movie is my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there was the epilogue for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like there, to kind of give my answer too... um, it's a better movie, and that's kind of the best I can say about it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there should be four-hour movies. Uh, I understand that that's what a lot of television is now, um, <laughs> but I also I also feel like uh, this one came really close to doing that anyways by separating out the parts and uh, context- recontextualized. It is a better TV show than it is a movie. Yeah, the chapters were a great idea because at any point when you would want to stop, you would hit that black screen with chapter four. You'd stop and go to bed. Chapter four, that thing that we're going to say a little bit later. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if they were like super cool or clever. uh, The titles, yeah, the titles were not needed. Uh, Yeah, the titles of the chapters were kind of cringy. Yeah, they could have just gone with chapters. I would have been fine with it. It, it truly was Zack Snyder being just like, that's the coolest line of this part. So that's the, that's <laughs> it the was terrible. <laughs> um, that's Greg? just the level he's thinking on. Do you, do you yeah. think it's good? Is it a, good? Do I think it's good? Um, I would say yes with hesitation. I don't think I would watch it again. So I have a lot of movies that I enjoyed, but they're what I call one watches. Uh, like Logan. I thought it was brilliant. I am never going to watch that again because there's just too many claws through heads. And that's fine. And when they make uh, a Laura Kinney Wolverine movie, I'll be there. But until then, I will just cherish the moments that I watched Logan and move on because I don't need to see <laughs> stabbing heads. So this is, this is another version of that in that I watched it, I experienced it. Uh, dear God, why did I watch some, some parts of it? But now I know what's going on with the pop culture and I can move on with my life. I will say that uh, I will not be watching it as uh, some folks who have come into the store four times in a week. No. Yeesh. Oof. Bad life choices. Yeah. I don't, Yeesh. I, 
You could watch. You, has you could it, watch. Can you even watch it four times in a week? Is it so long? <laughs> I guess. Like, well, I mean, every you watch evening? it once, yeah. and then you could watch literally six other movies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know for a fact that these these folks have jobs and families. And yet, okay. Well, like See, that, I mean, the, it the is family bit watchable. Like my. Wild. I, I this was my first outing with it, and I thought it was good. I I was I enjoyed like most of it. Very few notes. It was just like kind of a long superhero movie or short miniseries that I was was there for. Uh, basically, <laughs> as I, I uh, if you had to retell the last phase and a half of the MCU in four hours, that's that's how you do it. Yeah, more or um, less. Mm-hmm. And I was I was there I was there for most of it. So I I, I someone who came to was all all the things in this movie were new to me, and I enjoyed the vast majority of them. Happy to give HBO my money. I um I I am also going to put myself in the in the good camp. Um, for a few reasons. I I I actually like you said, Brandon. I enjoyed it as a as a TV show. Um. You know, I kind of I binged the first two episodes, the first two chapters, and then I took a break, then watched the the last two hours separately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would actually argue that it's not a four hour movie; it's it's a it's a three and a half hour movie um, with yeah. a bunch of garbage tacked on to the end. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. And we'll and we'll get to that, but mm-hmm. I think you know it's it, <laughs> it. It's not often that I think like the you know, the movie really does get left on the, the cutting room floor. Like, and that's the case with this one. Like all of the, all the character development that Cyborg needed, um, all the character development that Flash needed were all there. Um, just about <laughs> every character is better. Um, with maybe the exception of Superman, who is, I don't really think he's got a lot of extra stuff in this. I think he's, most of his stuff we've already seen before. And in fact, I think in Joss Whedon's version, there's more Superman. Um, You know, we get the good fight with him. Um, We get to experience the emotion of what, of Superman's death through, through Lois. So, so he's kind of, he's kind of always there in, in the background of the film. Um, So I'm not, uh, terribly upset that he doesn't get uh, too much screen time and too much development although like his 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 re- his return and and subsequent sort of deus ex machina ending to the to the resolving of the uh, uh of the villain problem is much the same as it was in the joss whedon version he just kind of shows up and wins yeah and that that like our our notes from the first time around stand like that's still not great it's not that it's not uh, really all that fun i do Um, i i will say this superman is a cheat code uh, in both versions of the movie (laughs) he shows up and steppenwolf loses basically um however tying the the real threat not in with steppenwolf but in with the unity of the mother boxes and making that a problem that only cyborg and flash can solve Mm -hmm. works like that takes it out of Superman's hands. That's not something he can really do. Uh, and that that gives the rest of the, like the two junior members of the league, arguably, like the, the starring moment in the climax, because it's up to them to solve the problem. And Superman can just stand there helplessly and get disintegrated when it all goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
Yeah, and so basically you have them solving the problem and then you have the other Justice Leaguers punching. And that's what they're, that's at that moment, that's what they're needed to do is they're just there to punch. And that's fine. That's good. They should, they don't always need to save the day. And I loved that turn because a lot of the younger characters uh, in Justice League proper uh, have a lot of possibilities and potential and it's it's not just cyborg and flash it's you know justice league is pretty darn big um but again that would be an eight-hour movie if we included more justice (laughs) leaguers but like i think i think giving uh i say newer characters uh when i mean newer characters to the dcu Mm -hmm. more opportunities and going forward much like marvel is going in the young avengers way it's giving younger uh, characters more opportunities. Yeah, and it is kind of a shame that you know this version didn't um, end up being the the original release because you know it could have been a star making turn for Ray Fisher. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, like he could have he like knowing knowing the character better now and like I like you know watching Justice League the first time I didn't give a shit about the Flash or, or Cyborg obviously because I wanted to cut them <laughs> out of the movie but like <laughs> the like you know knowing his backstory seeing the the tragedy of it and um you know getting a lot of time learning about him and his father and their relationship and and um you know the fact that his mother's not there either like you know, you, that's a good, it's a pretty good jumping off point to, you know, um, leap into a cyborg standalone movie. And who knows, maybe we'll still get that anyway. You never know what the, what will happen. But, um, you know, it's 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 just uh, it's just too bad it didn't work out in this particular film. And like, I, and I kind of feel like, you know, maybe uh, had some version of this film made it to theaters, perhaps uh, the direction of the the DC universe as a whole could have been much different. And I'll just close this up by saying like, I'm, I'm really glad that I'm happy for Zack Snyder that he got to release the film that he wanted to, you know, like, like through everything that he went through, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy that he was able to, to, to release something and release his artistic vision. And like, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's really cool film exercise to see. Like, I don't think we've ever seen anything quite on this scale where uh, someone got to go back and redo their movie and like get a whole bunch of money for reshoots and um, get a big release. Like this is a big deal. Uh, the Justice League. Version, yeah, this isn't right? just so. this isn't just like the director's cut on the Blu-ray edition. This That's is right. Yeah, get out of here, them relaunching an entire movie. Yeah, and I, like there's a there's a moment in this movie um, where um, I, I really empathize uh, with Zack Snyder and and uh, for a moment made me think more of him as a as a as a director because he had this very nice scene with um Martha Kent and, and Lois Lane where they're talking through their grief and like as as someone who's also like uh, like a parent who's lost a child like like I could I could feel Zack Snyder's emotions coming through in that scene and the things that he feels about grief and the things that I recognized about grief it was a really great scene and then there we go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the the troubles with Zack Snyder appear again as 
Martha Kent walks out of Lois Lane's apartment and for some reason <laughs> turns into the Martian Manhunter, completely undercutting that entire scene. Yeah, I was... <laughs> So I, was, I will say that this movie is good, yeah. but like Danica, a but. <laughs> but, yeah, with hesitation. It's, it's, you get a beautiful scene like that uh, with amazing actors. And don't get me wrong, I'm also very excited to see the actor that played Marsha Manhunter. He's very good as well. Um, but there was no story point for that to happen. There was no reason that Martha would not have visited Lois after she had just lost her house. There's no reason because they are, they are family. Or for Martian Manhunter to be like, all right, so what I'm going to do is co-opt step, step a, bit one. Of, a bit of grief yeah. um, because I've been question mark watching. Yeah. He, like, where has he been before now? No one's, no one says anything like that. I, I think what Martian Man- Manhunter did to Lois qualifies as abuse. <laughs> I uh, think so. Yeah. All he did was tell her to get back to work. And it's one thing for Martha to say it. It's another thing for a literal stranger to come in and say it. And I love Martia Manhunter. And I don't want to, like, poop all over him. But, like, they did not use him well. What uh, what the Martian Manhunter's cameo should have been was his second appearance in the movie. Of, hey, I'm a super awesome alien shapeshifter. And I'd like to help you out, Batman. And he's like, I guess I'll just uh, sit here at my palatial estate over this massive lake. Um... But, like, that was a better cameo. Yeah. It's, I'm gonna it's... hunt me some mans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> exactly. like, going into this, how many people knew instinctively seeing that character that that was Martian Manhunter? How many Not people enough. watching this movie were like, who the hell is that? Is Not that a new enough. villain? What's happening? Yeah, exactly. exactly. That, that had no reason to be there. Second question. Yes. Has he been that general the whole time? Like, was that Martian Manhunter in the first Superman movie? Oh, my God. I... I can't even answer that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because he turns into the general from the first Superman movie, and that just opens a whole bunch of more questions. Okay, that's that's just a can of worms that you don't want to get into with comics people because you know they're going to test you. Like, I don't know why people in movies do this, go, ha it's so fun, because you know there's going to be some annoying nerd out there, and right now it's me, going, you can't do this because it doesn't make any flippin' sense. <sighs> Sorry, I, I I was collecting my thoughts on something for a second. Did you guys did you guys talk about um the fact that like uh Lois like when we see Martha later mm-hmm. uh in the movie there's a, like there would be an open question about whether Martian Manhunter was also was Martha in that scene? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Maybe <laughs> like, he's been Martha the whole time for like at least or, 40 years. It just got weird. You know what also you know what also would have been a good moment in that scene is assuming that it is the real Martha if Lois mm-hmm. Lane had been like, "Hey, thanks for coming by my apartment earlier and and talking to me. That really helped." And Martha you know being what? like, "I did what?" Yeah. Now? Yeah. <laughs> I did no such thing. Who who what are you talking about? Silly Scott, you know women don't ask follow-up questions. This is a comic book movie after all. It could have that could have gave her like a mental breakdown just being like why yep. like I did I imagine that? Am I going insane? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, that's em- emotional abuse. I just think there's a lot of uh good actors uh definitely in this movie that are wasted. Um I also think that I also think Lois had her puppy moment where she was like, Clark, it's me. And he's like, oh, I shouldn't fight anymore. I should just hug you and run away. 
like, I, I kind of get it, but it was still like, really? He was like murder boy a minute ago. And now he's like, my lady friend. Yeah, his, his transition from like <laughs> evil Superman to good Superman is not particularly satisfying. No, I, not at all. I think I also complained in the original version about how that fight starts with mm-hmm. some really contrived cyborg can't control himself nonsense. And that is still in this version and it still yeah. is contrived nonsense. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah where he's, he's like, he's like, oh, my automatic defense system is going off, and then it shoots him in the face. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't make any sense yeah. because by now Cyborg's been Cyborg for quite a while in the story, and he would have figured that out. Also, he's still talking to his dad, which is very different than like the Cyborg in Doom Patrol, where they have even more of a shattered relationship. So this is where I'm getting my, like, cyborg <laughs> comparisons. Both actors are great, by the way. Um, I don't remember the actor uh, that plays him in Doom Patrol, but... Um, so please excuse excuse me for not remembering him, but um, they're both amazing actors. Yeah. Doom Patrol's bonkers. Yes. Also, if anyone's listening and hasn't watched Doom Patrol and you want more cyborg, I know where to find some! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it looks like we've uh, uh, got a lot of thoughts on this. Let's go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to fix this already fixed movie. This episode of I Have Some Notes is brought to you by Northwest Fest International Documentary Festival, running online from May 6th to 16th. Even though Northwest Fest can't happen in a movie theater this year, they've still put together an outstanding lineup of some of the year's best docs. In fact, This year, there are a whopping 40 feature films, plus 40 short films, that's 80, uh, available for viewing to anyone in Alberta. This is your chance to stream some of the hottest new docs from Canada and abroad, many of which are Canadian, international, and even world premieres. All access streaming passes, ticket passes, and single tickets are available now at northwestfest.ca. Today I want to tell you about ATB's new podcast, The Future Of. Join Todd Hirsch, ATB's Vice President and Chief Economist, as he connects with special guests who offer unique and useful perspectives about the future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. From the future of women in business to the changing nature of work itself, The Future Of helps us understand what's coming and what we need to do today to get the tomorrow we want. Featuring two episodes every month, plus bonus episodes, The Future Of includes interviews with top community and business leaders from Alberta and around the world. Subscribe to The Future Of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found, and connect to ask your questions about the future by emailing thefutureof at atb.com. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League with guests Brandon and Danica. Let's, uh... What are your notes for this second time around? Well, so mine off the top is cut anything where you can tell Zack Snyder is thinking to himself. Okay, do you get the metaphor? (laughs) 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 Or just or just to dial it back just a couple notches. Uh, His whole his whole thing (laughs) with Superman is. He's this benevolent God who, uh, now absent, we pray to him and he comes back and he is this, he saves us all. So he's like, like Jesus, God, the Holy Trinity, etc. And he just like 
keeps pushing that so hard yep. through everything. Batman, and just dial it back. Batman talks a lot about his faith in Superman in this movie. He's a real, he's bought the book of Superman. He's, yeah. he is proselytizing for Superman in this movie. He is, he is very much a believer and a worshiper of Superman now. It's the least uh, cynical which is I've ever seen Batman in my life. Yeah. Well, because he's found Superman. He's found and God. he's taken he's Superman God, into yeah. his heart and it's made yeah. him a better person. Yeah, all of all of that stuff. I want him to dial that back like mm-hmm. a thousand percent. Um, this includes this includes the hot dog cart scene that has, when focused on the Flash, hot dogs, and when focused on Iris, hot dog buns. Ew. Let's not do that. No, thank you. And just I did not notice that, and that. I feel gross about it. You know? <laughs> oh, I was watching I, I, that think, thinking to myself, wait, am I 12 or is he 12? Or are we both 12? <laughs> the, the worst moment for me in that scene, even more than the hot dogs and hot dog buns, was when he touched her face because he thought she was pretty. He doesn't know her. She's in like this half second of a moment and he's like, I'm going to graze your face. And I'm like, don't touch that woman. She did not let you. She did not consent to this. Yeah, I'm not does. okay with yeah, this. It's a little skeezy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, just less of that across the board. I used my two extreme examples of just sort of like the, the bigger brain thing and then the just like baby brain thing. <laughs> Which is, I think is the opposite of galaxy brain. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Well, if we're simply cutting things to fix it, I'm going to I'm going to cut um, every a scene in which uh, a sniffing of sweater occurs. How's that? Oh, my <laughs> God, that? that was awful. <laughs> Why would they even put that in? I don't I don't care how handsome Jason Momoa is. Don't sniff a sweater. That's creepy, but with all genders, don't touch someone without their permission. Don't sniff someone's clothing. That's <laughs> That's not okay. There's consent issues in the Justice League movie. There is consent issues. Thank you. Thank you for, for uh, laying that out. Uh, it's not just that it wasn't just the, the the sniffing of the sweater, but the, it was then like an entire chorus of like women serenading him into the water. And it's like, so do they do this weird. every time he goes into the water? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it was does he a always lot. like Does he always back into the water slowly? They're like, I love this tune. This is I the best. I, oh, I love I this think part. I'm me. <laughs> this is where they hit the high note. Yeah. See you later, Uncle <laughs> Man. Out. It's like the opposite of his entrance music for wrestling. He's just like leaving. He's his like, all music? right, yeah. ladies, uh, crank up the tunes. But like, I actually made a comment during the movie of like, how many shirts does he lose? Because he just takes off his shirt, keeps his pants. Which honestly, wet pants in an ocean? No, thank you. That dude. Really <laughs> yeah. Uh, if there was a god, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but there's so many shirts just left all around the world. Aquaman litters. You've heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> I I actually was a little perplexed by that because there's a couple scenes where he like there's at least one scene where he saves a guy at sea and then he comes ashore mm-hmm. and he's wearing a shirt and boots that he then like immediate almost immediately turns around and walks off the pier and kicks off the boots and takes off the shirt and i'm like did he come ashore and put those on just to take them right back off why even put on the boots (laughs) my feeling is that he had to save the guy it was an emergency situation so he didn't have time 
to properly caress his abs. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you have to save a life. Um, you gotta make some sacrifices. Speaking of speaking of Aquaman saving that guy, um, there are a couple instances in this movie where Zack Snyder has his cake and eats it too in a very <laughs> weird way. And it's you know the old saying of show don't tell. Mm-hmm. There are a few instances in this movie where Zack Snyder both shows and tells. And that is one of them, because we get the earlier scene with Batman where we hear about how Arthur goes around saving people in the ocean. And, mm-hmm. okay, we, we've heard about it. And then, like, an hour and a half later in the movie, we see it. And it's like, we did not need to see him do the thing you told us about. Like, I realize <laughs> that I would prefer you show me the thing, but you already told me the thing. I don't need you now to show me the thing. Yeah, you have to and do I'm not one saying- or the other. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that you should lose the scene with Willem Dafoe, which was great. Um, mm-hmm. I'm saying that you don't necessarily need all the stuff before the scene with Willem Dafoe, which we had already heard about and did not then need to hear about it again. Yeah, I will say and that like all the stuff with the, with uh, with Aquaman, like under like with Willem Dafoe and all that stuff, set up the the mother box uh, mm-hmm. in Atlantis much better than the first version. So I was really appreciative mm-hmm. of that because like in the first oh, no, version, sure. we, yeah, we just get dumped right into it. And but there's, uh, my, my issue is that there's like, the scene is too long and this is um, in a way a kind of like microcosm of the entire movie. We could have gotten to the point of that scene much sooner, but we yeah. had the self-indulgent part at the beginning <clears throat> that we didn't need because we already know he does this thing because we were told about it earlier. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and there's a couple instances of that throughout the movie where we we hear about a thing and then we see the thing. Um or where there's really unnecessary exposition uh which we could have picked up in context. Like the part where uh Victor's dad tells him about all of his cyborg powers and it's like we could have we don't need literal a literal exposition scene where we just get told what cyborg can do. You could have just shown us what cyborg can do. Mhm. I just had an idea um, about Aquaman um, because, like, okay, in the context of Justice League, when this came out, like, it, this was essentially the first time we had seen him, correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, so, would it have not been uh, a little bit more um, fun? to have Aquaman play a bit more coy because it, he just like, you know, he goes into the sea um, and shows off that he's Aquaman to Batman and just being like, I'm not going to help you see a later beast. Um, but if, if Batman came there in search of like a Aquaman, but he didn't really know if he sort of existed or who exactly he was, I think that would have been more fun. And, and in like, and, and sort of Aquaman turns him away um, without ever revealing that he is in fact Aquaman, so that when we when he comes and rescues them later on in the film, there's a bit more um, fun, a little bit more of a fun punch to it that we get to, and the Batman gets to see like, aha, I was right, there is an Aquaman. <laughs> I was correct. That's yeah, I think there's that's a uh, very valid. Um. <laughs> but then we lose the scene with Steppenwolf going after the Mother Box in Atlantis because we know we like we see Aquaman in that scene. So, yeah, I mean, it does. I don't know that it necessarily has to be a mystery for the audience uh, necessarily. It may work. Oh, your, better your a point bit. is more to keep it from Batman. Not yeah. Necessarily from us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Bat- Batman yeah, kind of knows because we, we saw it in the Batman versus Superman. He's got video of all of them. 
Oh right, yeah. and their names. Yeah. Did he have the? Got... Did he have the names? Oh right, he had the logos of them too. Yeah, he sure did. He had logos. Because <laughs> like, on the logos. Aquaman, Aquaman sent him his logo. He's like, <laughs> I want to make sure that you. That I had. A, I had to pay a designer like a hundred bucks on a, on a website for this. <laughs> I mean, just like, <laughs> just want to make sure you got it, man. Isn't that how you all make <laughs> friends? You you amass a team and then you all uh, you design logos for your friends. And then you give them fun nicknames. I just, I really like the idea of Alfred in Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bruce just being like, okay, so he's an aqua man. Can you, can you do anything with that? Can you make that more blue? No, more, more uh, blue. More Alfred. Okay, so come on, I'll do it. For, for the record, no notes on Alfred. Jeremy Irons is a great yeah. Alfred. Yeah. I, I didn't like, um, uh, J.K. Simmons as, uh. Gordon, that was totally wrong. I never thought I'd be sad to see J.K. Simmons on screen, but I'm like, he's not a, he's not Jim Gordon. What? What do you? What? It was. It was no. a little weird. It was weird. It was a weird choice. I One mean, of my he's still kind of he's still kind of giving it the J. Jonah Jameson flourish yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's because yeah. your brain is like, why is J. Jonah Jameson uh, in the DCU? This is weird. I like it. I'm confused. But my brain never what? settled into that's <laughs> Commissioner Gordon. I was like, hey, look, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> One of my <laughs> legit favorite moments in this movie is when uh, Wonder Woman goes to make some tea and Alfred can't help but hover and butler over her shoulder <laughs> and and like and like walk her through making tea correctly. It was just it was this beautiful little character moment. And I was like. Mm. I love everything about this. She's like, she's like politely humoring him and he's just, he's just, he can't help himself. And it was, it was so adorable and I loved it. <laughs> There's a couple the of those. The thing, thing with the, the when, when Flash doesn't run away from Commissioner Gordon, I, like I they all that. disappear. Oh, the yeah. one guy who's super fast is the one guy who stuck around was like, oh, that's charming. He's like, oh, they, they just kind of do that kind of rude. <laughs> <laughs> I have a small note for the for the the bat signal. Oddly, this might be the strangest note in podcast in our podcast history. But like, the to me, like the logo, maybe it's just the Batman logo in this at, at all. But like, it's really just almost like a square <laughs> with a couple little spikies on it. So when they shine it in the sky, like it, it like even even as they've sort of designed it, it doesn't really look like a bat. Like, could you not make the Batman logo look like a bat? It's just, it's, just strange to me. It's the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns logo. Uh, he, he's doing it because he's like, this Batman's old, and that's the o- logo that the old Batman wears. It's not practical. It's just a, literally literally a, a, a symbol to just be like, see, I know this thing. <laughs> uh if we're talking about if we're going back to some cuts though i think we kind of all agree that the movie can cut the last 15 to 20 minutes oh my goodness 120%. the movie the movie has a great ending and it's the scene where we get victor's dad doing the voiceover while all the heroes are doing some hero stuff and it's optimistic and it's hopeful and the music swells and then there's a nice little stinger with lex luthor and uh, Deathstroke, which is like, ooh, villains are still afoot and we've got a little tease for the next movie. And then boom, credits roll. That is how it should have ended. <laughs> I would have even cut the Luther thing. I, I, it ends I'm okay with, with Superman the... opening his chest and flying at the camera and that we were done. And, that's, I, and that would have been enjoyed, fine. That would have been fine. I'm, who... I'm fine with it ending there. I just, I think the, the little villain sting is okay. But everything beyond that is garbage as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Sorry, Liam, I didn't yeah. mean to trample you there. No, that's okay. As as someone who came to this fresh, I I truly enjoyed the 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 full th- thing, the whole movie. Like it was, I, I was happy to watch for three hours and forty minutes of it. I was I was on 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 board for all of it. I liked the chapters, the aspect ratio. We I, we haven't really touched on, but even <laughs> I found that endearing partway through. And as I'm sitting there, being like, "Hmm, that what a night, what a good movie this was." I don't know what everyone's carrying on about. The last twenty minutes, just like truly ruined it for me and i know like <laughs> saying thing movies ruined this or ruined that is like kind of uh, uh dicey water but like it was like someone rolling over after very good sex and then just like saying something completely weird and awkward and ruining the whole <laughs> the whole experience like you truly spoiled it and and so yeah i would i would cut everything after superman rips his shirt open well cyborg's dad talks and i would also cut out the one scene of martian manhunter leaving uh, Lois's apartment and yep. just have Martha Kent have that conversation with her uh, and as far as I'm concerned that was the like the only two things that needed to go the last 20 minutes and that one 30 second scene after the convo yeah more or less yeah I, I think the only other major problem I, I had I, I mean I didn't really like Cyborg's internet sleuthing and surfing that was kind of irritating but like the the Superman to me is still like the one pin that doesn't really work like he i don't know he just uh i just just want to i just want him to be um a bit more emotionally involved in the film somehow like i just don't i don't like like scott says like he's just he's just like pressing the win button like i just that's that's the thing that still doesn't quite work for me you want him to have emotions at all he didn't and yeah like the it's the it's the thing that Zack Snyder really wanted from it was uh, Superman as the savior, basically. And the savior doesn't have opinions or emotions or a plot. It They just come along and save you. And it's not that interesting to watch. No. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I'm going to point this out. I am tired of the really weird uh, belief. <laughs> I'm going to call it belief, but it, it's, it's this weird trope that seems to have snuck into a lot of Superman related material it feels like lately where the only thing keeping Superman from just going on a murder spree across the galaxy is Lois Lane and if she dies he just instantly flips the switch and turns evil Uh, like that's basically the plot of Injustice that's what Zack Snyder is hinting at here in this movie Uh, and I don't believe that that is true about Superman in the least it is not not Um, at all uh, because he is he has moral character that goes beyond if if the woman I love gets fridged I will I will fridge the universe um well, the I don't point believe of Superman he would do that. Is, that is that Clark has a good heart he grew up in a, a midwestern home with god fearing parents who raised him right yeah and that's the point like that's actually that's a good thing for a lot of people um so the fact that Lois is a savior if we're going to do the fridging, which we shouldn't because that's trash, yep. it would be his mother. It, he should have mother issues, not fiancé issues. Yeah, like <laughs> he, he shouldn't have issues at all because even no, if, no. Even oh, if no, Martha died, even <laughs> if Martha died, even if Martha and Lois died, Superman yeah. would be like, oh, well, you know, 
I'm still morally good and they would still want me to be morally good. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> and I, I agree with you. would continue to do good. I'm just saying that if we're going to go like the full Wonder Woman trope where in she went the other way when Steve died, rather than worrying about her mother who raised her. Yeah. They're doing it again. They're like, well, you know, this is this is my spouse. And it is someone you choose to have in your life to love forever. That's great. But your parents raised you. And so I, I, and I know this is very hard for a lot of people because you don't, they don't have, you know, the, the Kent family. They don't have the, the perfect American Pie family. But in this canon, that's who he is. He is a good person because he was raised that way. He would not change just because one person in his life dies. He's not, he's not a light switch. Yeah. There's, and there's, uh, like a whole lot of, uh, inherent uh baked in problems with superman's origin of just being like well if you come from someone else somewhere else all you need is a good down home set of morals provided to you by americans um (laughs) yeah there's there's big problems in that but giving that conceit that you're working with really then uh your your go-to i guess which i don't know might make sense considering it is America, is this version now of just like, but if you take who I love, I will gun you down. Mm. Like, uh... It feels very American. Maybe uh, maybe it is just, the <laughs> modern extension of that, but I don't have to like it. I'll, I'll offer a defense for um, the temptation to write him like that, um, to write about his darker side. Um, just... And that doesn't invalidate anything you guys because like I think what you guys said is perfectly valid and uh, criticism of it. Um, it. It's just like you, right now in, in modern pop culture, like it, you know, imagining our demise is um, is something that we're grappling with on a, on a daily basis, and, I, and like I think it's been that way for a long time. So, so I can I can understand the impulse to imagine or want to imagine what would happen if Superman turned on us. Um, you know, the same way that we, we sort of imagine anybody that might be, uh, we might put up on a pedestal might turn around and uh, screw us over. Right. So, so I, I get, I get the impulse to, to want to explore that. It, maybe it doesn't, you know, Superman's basically a boy scout, I guess. So like it doesn't really uh, make a whole lot of sense. His nickname is literally character. the big blue boy scout. Yeah. And like I mean, like he's an alien threat a lot of times in in a lot of the you know in a in a lot of these depictions and stuff like that. So it seems it it seems fairly natural um, to want to explore not only like the human reaction to the unknown of this alien presence, um, but like what would happen if he turned on uh, you know planet Earth. Mm-hmm. So we'd I all see die because he's yeah. But the thing is, it could not have been fleshed out in this film. Uh, it has been done well in comics, in television shows, in other yeah. movies. But this is not uh, a discussion that he needed to have with himself in this film. 
Yeah, and there's I a hundred percent agree. Yeah, because like he's he, like Scott said earlier, like th- there's cases in this movie where Zack Schneider is having his cake and eating it too, and that's and this is basically what Superman is in this film is like super like Zack Snyder really liked that cool black suit and he liked the story of the death and return of Superman and that's what he was going to do whether it uh, best served the plot or not yeah exactly and like for for a motivation of of turning Superman too, like there's there's a big difference between like well just kill his wife and uh like things like even as simple as red kryptonite or just like a corrupting influence but no it's just mm-hmm. like no let's let's kill that lady like mm, no thanks your, your your comics your movies you're better than this yeah we should all be better than fridging at this point keep women out of the fridge <laughs> exactly take women out of the fridge take women out of the kitchen <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Yeah, keep them nowhere near the fridge. Nowhere near the fridge. <laughs> There's a lot of dudes who can cook better than I can, and I know my place is not in the in the kitchen, so I'm good with that because I get really good meals. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know that we spent a lot of time fixing this film, but we did that once already, and I, I think <laughs> Liam, yeah, we should we like should just leave it to the listeners. Maybe it's it's it really is like a, an interesting because uh, there's there's just so much to discuss. Like every everyone has thoughts, uh, uh, whether we said it glibly at the start or genuinely now. Uh, people have opinions on DC content, and our listeners are no different. Uh, thank you to everyone who uh, participates in our. Uh, solicitation for uh, your comments on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow us at I Have Some Notes. Let's get right into it. Friend of the show, Robin, over at Cinematological, who you may remember from last uh, episode, uh, says the Snyder Cut is a masturbatory, self-indulgent oddity that is a physical manifestation of movie exec panic. Humorless and turgid, it has moments of grace, like Cyborg's arc, uh, that are that are bright points in an exhausting exercise in nihilism. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, curse word, uh, curt words. <laughs> I, I got less I don't, nihilism I don't from terse, this movie, that's but that's maybe in comparison to what it was. I don't know that it was humor, humorless. I was actually pleasantly surprised by mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. much lighter in tone it was compared to Zack Snyder's previous efforts. Yeah, that's uh, one word yeah. I would not use for this. Uh, Natasha comments, the movie could have been an hour shorter without all the slow motion scenes and Wonder Woman has the best music. I agree with half of that. Half of that. So actually one of my cuts was absolutely going to be 90% to 100% of all the slow motion scenes. Most of them were just not needed and you literally could cut an hour off. I was so bored. By the, ooh, look at the high kick. It's going so slow. (laughs) But here's where I disagree with Natasha. Uh, Adore her. She's a great human being. Uh, Wonder Woman's music was great the first time. (laughs) Not the 73rd time. It was so overused. And the addition of the, oh Oh my god. The same clip. They used two clips, one for the Amazons, one for Wonder Woman, and they used them over and over and over and over. And it was driving me crazy. (laughs) I actually felt like the music in this movie was genuinely 
um, kind of, I don't know, I don't know if irritating is the, quite the right word, but it was, um, it, it felt like they're always at peak hero swell with the music all the time. Mm-hmm. There was no, there wasn't enough contrast um, in the low moments and the high moments. Like we were, we were always in like the sweeping hero shot with the, with the big hero swell of music. Um, yeah. And it just didn't, just didn't offer, um, you know, much in the way of, of differentiation so that, um, you know, you could really uh, get excited for that hero moment, you know? Um, the other thing I'll disagree with is like, I, I do love the wonder woman theme, but I, I am absolutely in love with the man of steel theme is one of my favorite themes in movies ever. Um, y'all talked about the music. I'm going to talk about the slow motion. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I mentioned in my, uh, previous notes from the, uh, justice league version was that they set up early on that when we're, we're in flash vision, mm-hmm. like flash's power is represented through slow motion, like him moving very fluidly through space and everything slowing down to a crawl around him. And it's a very cool effect and it's ruined by everyone else doing slow motion stuff. And yes. if you've established us like if you've established a special effect for Flash's powers, you don't then have Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Cyborg and Superman and Batman do a whole bunch of slow motion stuff because it it waters that down. And I think it's really cool when they do it with Flash and I think it's really dumb when they do it with everyone else and I believed that in the old version and I double believe it in the new version. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I think during a a fight scene, you pick one highlight where you want to showcase it. And what they did, what they didn't do in this movie is showcase things because they showcased everything and you can't do that. So I, I love fight choreography. I think it's, it's an art. And if you are watching a really great film with a really great choreographer, I want to see those moments. You know, I want to see... I don't know, uh, you know, Wonder Woman, kick a guy in the chest and, like, toss him off, like, a building or whatever. But, like, I don't, like, just something epic. But they slowed down everything. I think they were, like, running slow motion scenes and not Flash, by the way. Um, So it just really grated me. Uh, Herman from the Modern Manhood podcast says... Uh, they should do an extended version of the four-hour Snyder Cut, you know, for shits and giggles. Uh, yes, <laughs> it is, presumably, uh, it is a long there's, there's got to be something that hit the cutting room floor for this, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it would just cut. be the outtakes. Who knows? The Blu-ray version is five hours long. I really didn't have an issue with the four-hour thing. Like, I, I do. I hated the last twenty minutes, but I, I wouldn't have hated them if they were better. Like, the length really didn't didn't bug me. I thought the chapters thing worked, and I sort of thought about this movie like. Like if other if you're going to compare movies to books, like most movies are either, you know, paperback fiction or a, a hardcover, a, you know, bestseller at an airport, a, a big, thick old classic. If, if this movie is a book, it's a big square coffee table book. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like if you're the kind of person that's going to sit down and engage with a big square coffee table book uh, with like long, laborious, glorious shots and like a little bit of kind of needless tech. So it, it uh, yeah, I, I, that's sort of how I thought about it while I was watching it, and it, it made the four hours go down a little smoother. I don't fundamentally mind a four-hour movie. Um, I, I think there is a place for for long cinema. I think that uh, there, there are a number of movies that I quite like that are very long that I'm happy to sit through. This one was exhausting, and I had to do it in two parts, and. 
I, I think it comes back to the earlier point we made where the middle kind of drags it in parts. And I, I found myself being, I, I found myself being exhausted from keeping myself engaged through some of the, the parts where it was really like, oh, this is taking too long. <laughs> Uh, is, do you think it's because you have essentially seen this movie once before? You know, that might be the case. But then on the other hand, there are some epic movies that are quite long that I, I have watched multiple times and enjoyed every time. I guess watched a shittier cut that yeah, you fair hated enough. once before. <laughs> that that might be more accurate. And that could be the I, case. Because I was like mostly into this. Like, in, it was it was as entertaining as any other big blockbuster superhero movie I've watched in recent memory. You know what I mean? Fair like, enough. Save it, save your, you know, end games or uh, the, the notable ones. Anyway, um, and I really do think it's because it was, it was all new to me. Uh, I would definitely have a chip on my shoulder if I had already watched this movie once, <laughs> hated it. Like, and then I use the same analogy I made at the beginning. There is, there is no version, no director you could give me of episode nine to get me to watch that movie a second time. And if I did, I would go into it like, this better be worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Bushy says, I'm only halfway through, but the decision to go to uh, a 4-3 aspect ratio doesn't appear to have any weight. In my opinion, it doesn't add anything, it just attracts overall grinds as a gimmick for watercolor impact. Water cooler impact. I, I don't know, like, I, weirdly, I didn't even notice it at all. Hmm. Like, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't bug me one bit that it was in 4x3 the whole time. Honestly, it, it did jump out at me at first, but after the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie it it all just kind of melted away like and to be fair that's true for most aspect ratios for me if i'm engaged in the movie it doesn't really matter if i'm watching it in four by three or 16 by nine or whatever it's like if i'm engaged in the film at some point the aspect ratio just melts away and i'm and i'm paying attention to what's going on yeah like i don't like uh the aspect ratio can certainly be like a creative choice and like it's it's i don't know it's like uh, it's weird to get um, sort of um, dogmatic about an aspect ratio. Yeah, like yeah, it's a little bit annoying that you've got bars on your TV or something like that. But like, it's not like you would go into a museum and be like, "Well, that painting's not sixteen by twenty; it's sixteen by twenty-two. That's irritating." <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, I, I don't know if it was just the direction of it, but I did find it weirdly easier to focus on some of the action. But that might have just been a like. That might have been true, even if it was in a bigger aspect ratio, and he's just not Michael Bay. You know what I mean? Mm. But yeah, it, I, I found it endearing as it went on. Dave Ma says this could have been a two-hour movie if ninety minutes of world and character building were offloaded into other movies. Also, what's the deal with uh, Roose Bolton? The Roose Bolton terrorists were they just random bad guys for Wonder Woman to fight? They were random bad guys for Wonder Woman to fight. That is correct. In life, yeah. <laughs> um, to set up to set up some stuff with Wonder Woman, I. I kind of agree the the intention with this movie had always been to do the anti-Marvel thing where they introduce the Justice League and then spin them off into single movies. The downside is that that means that you haven't laid the pipe for the team up. You have to do it all in the film itself. And so like this was why I said the original version of the Justice League was too short. And unfortunately, now it feels like we've got to the other end of it and it's a little bloated. <laughs> but that's because Zack Snyder was being really self-indulgent. Um, but yeah, like we, we have to lay the pipe for Flash and Cyborg and Aquaman because we've never seen them before prior to this. And that that needs to happen in this film because we're going into this, uh, this shared universe backwards, uh, by design, unfortunately. 
Chris, I'm saying Dave comments. is right fundamentally. Sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, I never know if it's time to go to the next one or if people have more thoughts. And, and of course, our guests do please speak in. This is a, a dialogue with our listeners. Uh, Chris comments, uh, I know that the Aquaman movie is generally well regarded, but I was surprised by how much better the underwater effects in Justice League look compared to how bad most of Aquaman looks. Um, that might that might be a result of Aquaman technically coming first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Like they might have had the weird. opportunity to to tune that up between uh, the release of Aquaman and Zack Snyder like redoing the special effects for this film. That that could be the case here. Yeah, Zach got a whole bunch of extra money to do that. Yeah, like it's easy to say this movie technically came first, but in reality, it didn't. Uh, Zach really did have the opportunity to uh, to fix things that maybe weren't working in some of the other movies, and this this special effect could literally have been one of them. So hard I, to say. I, I kind of wonder if. Um... The Aquaman movie, because it's the Aquaman movie is way brighter and much punchier colors and things like that. Um, so, and just in just in general, like it's a much you know a brighter film. So sometimes that means hiding um, your less than stellar effects is more difficult. And because the the Justice League is um, quite dark and um, bereft of uh you know tone it's like so it just it just you know there's probably more opportunities to to hide some of the mistakes or the or the or the um get, um i don't know how the soft look of of some of the cgi effects or whatever so i don't know like it, it might just be um the fact that there was a creative choice that was that was easier to make the special effects look better uh, moving along, I'm going to uh, po- a portion of, of some of the comments coming up here. Uh, but um, it, Andrew Craig says, uh, it's miles better than the original and infuriating that Whedon didn't finish it, but instead butchered it into an incoherent mess. Zack Snyder is a stylized director, which is both good and bad for this film. Definitely differentiates from Marvel better now. He's also really on the nose with plot and story beats, which again, has some good and bad points. Now, it's real easy to blame Joss Whedon for the Justice League version, and there's so definitely <laughs> the, no, and there's there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of decisions that were clearly his that are not great in that film. But there's definitely a lot of studio in that movie, mm-hmm. and I can see why they would have seen the rough cut of Zack Snyder's four hour version and been like, Mm-mm, no, way too long it needs to be chopped down and mandated that Whedon do something about it. And so again, I feel like it's real easy to blame Whedon for it wholesale, but I feel like he was getting pressure to make it shorter and had to do something with that and did what he could and whether or not it was good, we can all agree it was not really good, um, is, is kind of undercut by the fact that he was, he was clearly, dealing with executive meddling at the same time. And he was coming in to a movie that was already half done and being told that he needed to shorten it considerably. And I can see why that would put him in an impossible situation. There was no way he was going to make the movie that Zack Snyder wanted. And there was no way that he was going to make it terribly coherent with the amount of material he was going to have to leave on the cutting room floor. So, and I'm, I'm, I feel a little gross defending Joss Whedon in this in this situation, yep. uh, considering everything. And and again, there's definitely a lot of really skeevy Joss Whedon decisions that were made in his version of the movie. But I, don't miss I feel those. like you, 
Yeah, you you definitely have to have to look askance at Warner Brothers on this one too because their hands are definitely on that version as well. Yeah, there's uh there's some choices that you can lay at the feet of basically any person who would have agreed to this job. Um, there's also some very specific like Whedon things. That's just like, mm, no, that's, that's not a good way to kind of frame this or, or do whatever. What I think yeah. might be interesting uh, in the future is like, this is clearly going to be a project for, for like um, when you go to, I'm going to say movie school, film school, film school. And uh, it'll be an interesting project for uh, uh, a teacher to be like, take this movie and change it to two hours. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that would be interesting. Yeah, could could you do it better than Joss Whedon did it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And using the pieces that are there. <laughs> like, I bet you, yeah, using I bet the you pieces could. That are there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can use anything you want from either of the two movies mm-hmm. and just put it, you know, make it make a two-hour version of it, yeah. I, I think the fact that, like, the, the studio hired... Joss Whedon says something about their intentions with the with the film because like you know he's 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 a writer as well right and so clearly they were hiring him to come in and do some patchwork so like he they were they were hiring they were hiring him to, to course correct because they they felt like they needed to get closer to the the Marvel movies and oh for sure and yeah. you know obviously Whedon had done two Avengers movies already so they felt like yeah this is the guy that's going to come in and add the humor and the light tone we need and stuff like that. Um, you know, in like, that's a, it, whether you like Whedon or not, uh, like, it, like his, it's, that's an almost impossible task, especially when the movie's like mostly shot already. And then to have on top of that, tell him to um, color the movie differently than what the footage had originally uh, intended and like make all these awful uh, hatchet jobs with the color and stuff like that. So like not only is not only is the movie sort of hacked to pieces in terms of story and content, but also it looks like two different people tried to shoot the movie at the same time. Like like say what you will about like Zack Snyder's style, but like his this movie looks way better than the Whedon version because the colors are as intended. Um, you know, like whether whether you like his muted tones or not like like at least it looks like it's supposed to uh brayden young says this movie improves on everything that was stupid or hated in the joss whedon version cyborg and flash get to shine in this version aquaman's motivations are much better and a great time with it and i'd love to see more of these character these versions of the characters yeah that's fair hard agree yeah Yeah. you might get it yeah, we might. I mean, this this seemed to seem to work, and they clearly set up nine other movies in the last time this So, <laughs> hey, can't uh, wait for that Martian Manhunter standalone film. It's coming. Tech comments. Uh, how's this for a note? Make it longer. Wait, wait, hold on. Let me finish. Make it a mini series. <laughs> Think a high budget version of an old school web series. Each episode is like a scene from a movie, uh, a vignette. One episode is Cyborg's origin. Another is Flash's car crash, etc. I think that's uh yeah. This this definitely had the potential to like. You could add another hour to this and call it an eight-part miniseries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. And I'm definitely always the one in our podcast who's like, <laughs> you should make it longer and make it a television show. <laughs> I mean, with the popularity of streaming right now, that could have been a huge hit. 
it's, oh, yeah, for especially sure. if they're continuing to crib from Marvel's uh, handbook, basically. Hey, what are people watching right now? Well, WandaVision was a huge success, and uh, they're doing uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier next. They're basically long movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, they should have just been like, look, we, we screwed up the multi-phase universe thing. Let's just c- cut right to copying their most recent homework instead of being two years behind them consistently. <laughs> More like ten years um, behind. Yeah. Uh, Evan T. Adams says, uh, an improvement for sure, but also four hours long. It's six part. Break it up uh, well. Uh, I'm reminded of what Peter Jackson said about extended cuts. They wouldn't work theatrically because you can't pause and take breaks. Uh, thus, this isn't the cut we would have ever gotten to see in theaters. Uh, three years of hindsight and the luxury uh, of an insane runtime. It's a very stylized, as expected, but works with the film overall. I even enjoyed the IMAX-ish aspect ratio. I think, yeah, it's probably... I kind of doubt that this movie gets made without the pandemic, right? Like, just like... It's just a, a really unique set of circumstances that led to this becoming a reality and i mean and if some version of this managed to make it to theaters in a, in sort of like an alternate universe where we didn't have a pandemic um it certainly wouldn't be this version that we got like it's it would have to be a much much shorter uh version of it so i mean obviously all the the martian manager stuff would get cut yeah out there you whatever. go you get three three and a half doable <laughs> yeah i mean uh, yeah you, you could that could be a stretch it like you might have to cut another 20 30 minutes off of it to make it palatable but yeah i mean yeah this end game was pretty long end game was was three hours right yeah yeah this goes back to what i was saying with uh my comment about joss earlier though is that you can see that warner brothers hand is on this and i agree wholeheartedly even if Zack snyder had been able to stay on and finish the project originally we would not have gotten this four hour long version in theaters uh, it would have been cut down. It wouldn't have been as good, probably, because of it. And it would have been because of studio meddling, because yeah. there's no way they're going to release a four-hour movie. And it really is, with the benefit of hindsight, with years of resentment over the version that came out, years of uh, diehard Snyder fans uh, angrily, uh, petulantly in some cases, demanding that Snyder get to finish it, and Snyder gaining the cachet and clout necessary to do it, that uh, allowed this version to exist. And it there's no way this version exists in an alternate universe where Zack Snyder finished it. We only get it... it <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League can fly because Justice League stood. Like, that's basically... <laughs> that's basically where it's at. Like, because without that version, we don't get this version, is the sad yeah. truth of the matter. And our last comment here, uh, Nathan Martin says, sorry, I had a lot more... No need to apologize, Nathan. <laughs> Don't apologize. Never apologize to us. Nathan Martin says, uh, sorry, I had a lot more of a good time with this movie. Lois needs more to do, which is saying a lot with a movie with this many characters. I like that Batman brought her in as a secret weapon in the OG version of the movie. Uh, sure. Uh, I like the Joker scene, but that's a tease for something we will never see. Make the rock Superman, and this movie is saved. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's, gonna, he's gonna be his own superhero right away, right? Yeah, he's, he's Black yeah. Adam. They've uh, they've done some teases for that now. Uh, the cut that I want to see of this movie is The Rock's face on all of their characters. <laughs> Every <laughs> single one of them. <laughs> Release just, the just Rock cut. All of them giving uh, 
uh, Steppenwolf the people's eyebrow all at once. That'd be pretty great. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and Steppenwolf giving it back because the rock's face is also on Steppenwolf. <laughs> exactly. All of them. Every character. Every single one. Uh, release the rock cut, you cowards. If not, uh, you can talk me down to the mustache cut. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. I should mention, actually, yeah. In this cut, they f- they edited out his mustache immensely better because in the first one, he had this like white rectangle on his face and it was very distracting. Well, that was all of the new footage, <laughs> so they didn't need to edit it out of this one. That's true. That is true. So it was all new footage for him? Yeah, any of the mustache ones was all the new footage for that Josh just shot because they couldn't yeah. they couldn't con- contractually get him to shave the mustache because of what he was doing right what uh, which was the remember? new mission impossible movie at the time oh yeah. yeah okay so i was like wow did this get better but no it's just new footage okay well i'm less impressed now it's um, old footage <laughs> who would have thought the solution was just shave the mustache <laughs> all right let's not let's not ever mention the mustache again <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was that was ripping on them, not not you. The the no, tragic irony is that <laughs> Henry Cavill, the 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 tragedy here is that Henry Cavill actually looks very good with a mustache. Exactly. Yeah, and like you he know, pulls Superman it off very well in that movie. Superman could have had a mustache for a movie. That's that's possible. <laughs> if I ever write a Superman comic, he's going to grow a mustache. There we go. Heck yeah. Uh, and speaking of comics, uh, that uh, brings us to the end and our great opportunity to thank our guests. Uh, Danica and Brandon for uh, 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 joining us today and uh, to promote your business, please. Oh, sure. We run a comic store called Variant Edition Graphic Novels and Comics in Edmonton, Alberta. We won a Schuster Award for Best Comic uh, Store in all of Canada. Uh, yeah, you did. In 2019, so mm-hmm. boom. Um, also, <laughs> you can... Suck uh, it everywhere else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, find the store... Uh, online at variantedmonton.com. That's where you'll be able to find out where we're located. Because uh, that's going to change soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, otherwise, you can find us uh, online streaming everywhere four days a week. Um, that schedule changes day to day, more or less. But uh, there are all kinds of different shows. Uh, there's a pop culture show. There's a new releases show. There's a best of the week show where we talk about a terrible movie that we watched for free on Tubi. Because Tubi's free for everybody, uh, and uh, when it, and the last one is where I talk about Final Order stuff, so that y'all don't miss your things. Yeah, we are all over social media: uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Variant Edmonton. At Variant Edmonton, one more time for the people in the back. Uh, yes, thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us today, and uh, of course, uh, thank you all for for listening. Please follow us on social media at I Have Some Notes. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like podcasts. Uh, You can check out a whole bunch of them right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, and so is my other podcast, The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. We just started a new book, so now is a great time to jump in. And yes, I'm shamelessly self-promoting. You can check out that podcast and more right now. Once again, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Uh, guys, I like this show. Let's uh, let's keep doing more of them. Why not? Uh, we in two weeks are gonna do Detective Pikachu, uh, which is kind of like um, if the Pokemon Extended Universe only had one movie. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's for you, millennials. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the Pokemons, mm-hmm. the the Lickitungs, and the and the the Gengars. <laughs> and the many would have. Yes, indeed. 
uh, to Detective Pikachu's next week. Uh, until then, uh, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Wash your hands, wear a face mask, back Black Lives Matter, and keep watching the skies. <laughs>